So I go back to the statement that I made at the beginning of this message. Many times, giving is more necessary chore than joyous experience. Why? Because it will take the understanding that my life should be a life of giving for God to honor it. It's when we understand that our life is to be a life of giving, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, financially, that we can actually enter into what I call, and it's on the screen, extravagant giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, you know what the Bible says? He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. He that sows sparingly, regretfully, remorsefully will reap the same. The Bible says that you will reap what you sow. And I think when we fail to remember God's promises regarding his generosity, we fail to operate in the, in the generosity of life, the extravagant life that God has promised. Now, immediately, I use that word extravagance. You think cars and houses and this and that. You know, no place in the Bible does God say he's going to take care of cars and houses. He said, I'm going to take care of clothes and food. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Many times, and I'm jumping right in your notes this morning, many times giving, and I want you to hear this statement, is more of a necessary chore than a joyous experience. Now, please, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to emphasize that, that, that one line, and I want you to underline this in your notes, please, because there's times we don't feel like giving. There's times we don't feel like rising above the fray. There's times that we want to take everybody and tell them, why don't you take a long walk off a short pier? Now, some of you will get that after you leave today. <laughs> Has there anybody out there said that before or wanted to say that? Can I say that in church, Pastor Ray? Okay, I already did, right? Yeah, okay. But I want to read it again. Look at this. Giving is more of a necessary chore than a joyous experience. It's important that we understand that God loves a joyful giver, not a sorrowful, regretful, remorseful giver. One's about him, one's about us. The reason I put that line in there first is because just because giving is a chore doesn't mean you still 
can't have joy in it. You still can't have happiness in it. You still can't have a, a sense of excitement in it. You know why? Because in your heart of hearts, you know you're doing something beyond yourself. That's something by yourself you cannot do. Am I making sense today? I want to share some thoughts in giving and living <coughs> that I pray will turn possible sorrow into jubilant joy. 103rd Psalm. I was going to read the whole passage, uh, the whole 103rd Psalm, but I thought I would just highlight these particulars. Now, take your notes, please, and put them in your hand. I, I go through great depths to put these notes together for you every week. When we have a speaker here, we try very hard to get notes for you. And we do this so that you can take your notes home and study. I never want you to leave this church and walk away and say, well, thus saith Pastor Tim. My words are worth diddly and squat. And you put them together and you still get the same thing, nothing. But his words through me are worth everything. Okay? And so that's why I want you to take this home and study it and look at it and uh, take the time and grow in him. You can grow in church and still not make heaven, but if you grow in Christ, heaven is yours. Can somebody say amen? So take your notes out because I want you to underline some things. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Say that with me. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And then I want you to underline this. And forget not all his benefits. And forget not all his benefits. We've been espousing a little bit of that this morning, but let's go on here. I'm jumping down to the eighth verse. If you see those dot, dot, dots and different things in your notes, what that means is I'm leaving one section and I may be jumping into another section. So if you notice your screen, I don't explain this all the time, but I try to. 103rd Psalm, I'm doing verses 1 and 2, 8 through 13, and 17 through 18. It's all contextual. It's all self-purposeful. But for sake of sometimes space or emphasis of the passage, I, I skip down. So you see the dot, dot, dot. That means we're dropping over to verse 8. The Lord's compassionate. I want you to underline that word. Compassionate. And the underlined of the next word, gracious. I want you to underline these two next, this, this next word with two underlines. Slow to anger. We had a few folks that got that. <laughs> oh, you know, some of y'all think like, like, uh, like uh, Jim Carrey did in that movie, uh, Bruce Almighty, that God's a, you know, an angry man with a magnifying glass waiting to, you know, crispy critter people. No, God's not interested. You know, he, he loves us. He loves us. <clears throat> so I want you to underline the next one in three lines. Say, Pastor, come on. Folks, we need to understand this. He's slow to anger, but abounding in love. He'll not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He is angry at sin. That's why Jesus came to die, to pay a price that we couldn't pay, to do a work that we couldn't do, to raise again. Because the Bible says the soul that sins will die Jesus didn't sin. So because he died innocently, he was resurrected. Can somebody say, for eternity? for eternity? 
Now I want you to underline this next line. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our sins. And then this is the place where I just start getting all lost. For as the heavens are high above the earth, I remember that little boy sitting in the back of that pickup truck looking at the vast expanse of the universe. As the heavens are high above the earth. When I read this passage the very first time, I, my mind went back as a child. As the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his love for those that fear him. Would you underline that? So great is his love for those that fear him. For as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. You know, now I want to elaborate here just for a second. Most of us, we, we, we don't think east and west. We think north and south. You know, some of us would sit back and say, you know, as far as the north is from the south. But he didn't say that. He said, as far as the east is from the west. You say, well, pastor, does that really matter? Yes, it does. Let me give you the picture. If you said as far as the north is from the south, let's picture that this is the globe in my hand. <coughs> you start at the South Pole, and you go north. What happens when you get all the way north? Where do you start doing? Start going south. So if it was only removed from me as far as the north is from the south, you could measure this. But he said, as far as the east is from the west. So let's take this same globe. I got it in my hand here. And you start right here in Flagstaff. And you go as far east as you can possibly go around that globe. If you don't go north or south, and you just keep going east, you know what happens when you get back to Flagstaff? What direction are you going? You're still going east. You see, the east and the west never connect. As far as the east is from the west, God said, I have removed your sins from you that far. And then he said, I placed them in a place I call the sea of forgetfulness. Now, some of y'all will get this. And then he stuck out a no fishing sign, said, leave it alone. I took it away. Stop trying to hook that baby back. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now we're going to drop down to verse 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love will be with those that fear him. Now, let me explain that word fear. If you're not a Christian today, you have reason to fear God. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. In the book of Timothy, he says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If you're a child of God, though the fear means the same thing, it literally is talking about your adoration, your awe, and your reverence. Let me put it in a simplistic word, respect, which is a problem that we have in today's church. We have neutered this gospel so much we have watered it down so much. We have adjusted it so much. Therefore, not to offend people, 
because, folks, can I just be blatant? I, I, I know you all already know I'm going to be, but I just thought I'd ask permission first. I would rather be biblically correct than politically correct. Can somebody say amen? The blatancy of it is, is there's too many people, they've changed the gospel just enough not to offend people. Why? To offend people means I can't keep them in the chairs. And if I can't keep them in the chairs, I can't keep their money in the pocketbook of the church. I placed a thing on Facebook that I saw that, you know, this guy was preaching. I'm saying, I could have preached that. But I thought because it was somebody else preaching, they wouldn't point their fingers. Say, there goes preacher Tim again. So this guy was talking about it, how that we have changed the gospel for the sake of keeping people from being offended. This is why we won't challenge people in sin, because we're afraid they're going to hurt their feelings. Folks, I would rather offend them into heaven than pacify them into hell. Hurt them for a moment than to pay for that sin for eternity? What do you think the difference should be? Those who fear him, his righteousness will be with their children's children. How does that work? Because they see him in you, and because they see him in you, he can get through to them. Because we don't compromise, we don't change it. Do you know why? Because we know that giving starts with us. And sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do at the time. For God's joy to work through me. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And those who keep his covenant, remember to obey his precepts. So quickly, this morning, reflect on God's gifts to you. I am just this morning as I was praying and I was thinking about this service, I was thinking, you know, God, I'm not, I'm not doing a, a full-on, I'm sorry, this is sitting here, so I have to move it. It's one of those things that will kind of bother me. <clears throat> you know, it's red bird, white bird, yellow bird, black cord. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, some of you can say amen because you would have done that too. Matter of fact, I can't believe one of you didn't run up here and just took care of it. (laughs) Reflect on God's gift to you. As I thought about all of these men and women over the centuries that that have given so much, I just started thinking about this, this line. How possibly in one of those foxholes or possibly in one of those Areas that they didn't return from. That they just lifted their eyes to heaven and said, Lord, I don't know if I'm going home, but today I might be coming home. How grateful we can be of the gifts that God has for you. If you just reflect on the 103rd Psalm, and I encourage you to read the whole passage, it's not that long. But if you would just read the whole passage and just talk about and think about all that David is saying here. When we reflect on this passage, it'll help us to realize how much we really have to be thankful for. Up on the screen is this next phrase, and I want you to look at it. Think about it. Is not all we have a gift? You look at that beautiful woman you're married to, sir, that handsome husband. Okay. Okay. 
We'll stick with the beautiful woman part, okay? You know, I'm always, I'm going to talk to God about that when I get to heaven. God, you said he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I don't see that about the men. It doesn't say who, who, he, who, she who finds a husband finds a good thing. I'm going to talk to God about that. <coughs> Is not all we have a gift? Think about it. Our eyesight. Now, maybe you have poor eyesight. Maybe you have no eyesight. I, I still am always moved by Helen Keller's statement. What is worse, to be born blind or to have sight and not be able to see? And you can't see if you can't see beyond yourself. If you can't see to, to the fact that your life was created to give life through. A good mind. Now, that I put that down there, and I thought, well, this, the common sense good mind part, we could be questionable on some areas. But I'll leave that to your judgment. A job, it may not be the job, but it's a job. I was cautious right there because I was going to jump right full on into the elections. But I chose to have godly restraint. Shout amen, Pastor Ray. A family, food, clothes. See, you know what the Bible tells us in Romans 11? It's right there in your notes and it's right on the screen. It says everything comes from God. And everything exists because of God. And everything that you and I have was given to us, what's it say? Because of God for His glory. That job you have. You don't, you don't get it just because you look good or you're talented, you're skilled or this. Who gave you all of those abilities? Everything is a gift. So let me ask you a question. When's the last time that you just stop and count the blessings? For what does a man give thanks? Well, bless God, it's not a good day. You woke up this morning, didn't you? I think that's a pretty good day. You got up this morning, didn't you? I think that's a pretty good day. You got to church, didn't you? I think that's an awesome day. Yes. There's some people that can't go to church. And sadly, there's some people that won't go to church. People say, well, pastor, that doesn't make a, a, a big deal, does it? See, the reality is some don't think they really have much to be thankful for. Oh, they're thankful. Don't get me wrong but they compare their thanksgiving with what somebody else has, what they don't have. They feel somebody else has received more, or others are possibly worth more, or someone else has more faith. I can't tell you how many people say, well, pastor, you've got a bat phone to God. I mean, when, when you speak, God listens. Can I tell you the truth? God knows the hair on your head. When you speak, all of heaven listens. You don't have to have degrees. You don't have to have, the, folks, you don't have to have a PhD. You just got to have G-O-D. Can somebody say amen? amen? You say, well, pastor, then God isn't going to listen to me. He's waiting with the hair breath of that word that says, God, forgive me. And then there's more celebration in heaven than every single person that doesn't need Jesus. Can somebody say Amen. amen. I put this in your notes because I wanted you to see it. Who's the greatest saint in the world? 
Some people would sit back and think, well, it must be the one that prays the most or fasts the most or the one that gives the most or maybe it's the one that's evenly tempered or is, uh, has more chastity uh, and more charity and more, more giving and more justice. No. When I read my Bible, you know what I find? It is he who is always thankful. He who wills everything that God wills. He who only wants to receive everything as the instance of God's goodness. That's why the Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians, in all things give thanks. And every time something in your life happens, you're ready to give glory to God for it. I've had people over the years, they look at me kind of strange. Something bad happens. And I'll say, praise the Lord. I've had people turn. What are you praising the Lord? Folks, it could have been worse. You say, Pastor, well, they died. Praise the Lord. They may be home. You know something, God? I, I used to be pretty stoic when it comes to different aspects. Making a decision when somebody died if they went to heaven or hell. And God said, show me chapter and verse that tells it that's your call. Do you have one? Now, I know the root by the fruit. But you know what God said? He said, remember that breath that I breathed in them? How do you know on that last moment, that very last breath was God? Do I have the right to make that call? To give thanks. For what does a man have to give thanks? There was a woman that that was once talking to a friend of hers, and and they didn't understand why. Why do you pray over every meal? And this woman who had this guest at dinner that night, she said, we say grace at dinner to remind each and every one of us that there's something bigger than our egos. You know, today, you go out to lunch, you go to a restaurant, pray. Pray openly. And I'll say this graciously for sake of offense. Don't just give it one of those headache prayers. (laughs) Open your mouth and pray. Now, folks, let me help you understand something. If you're not accustomed to that, you don't want to go to a restaurant with me. Because I, when I pray in a restaurant, half the restaurant knows I'm praying. I've had people get upset at that. Said, that's fine. You need your food covered too. <laughs> yeah, but we're on the other side of the restaurant. So... For what does a man give thanks? I am grateful. 
I remember one time as a young Christian, I was in a restaurant and, and I had this radio uh, disc jockey uh, that was, I was having lunch with and I was witnessing to him, sharing the gospel of Jesus with him. And I can't remember, his name was Doug Wood. Well, that was his radio name. And I can't remember if Doug, if I led him to the Lord or not. Chances are I probably did, only because I usually didn't set out uh, for it to not work. And so I always got him as best I could to the Lord. But I was there, and, and all of a sudden, it was time to pray, and I told Doug, let's pray. And, and I prayed, and we were having lunch, and all of a sudden, from across the restaurant, this woman and her daughter, they had to come around tables. They had to find their way through the maze of that restaurant and came to that table that I was sitting at and said, what is it about you? I mean, we heard you pray, and our attention was automatically taken over to that place in the room. You know why? Because they heard the prayer. You know how people know you're praying? Yeah. And so they, they heard me, and they came. What is it about you? you? It's just like there's a glow coming from this area. Now, I was a young Christian, and you would think, well, Pastor, you always had something to say. And say, ask me, what is it about you? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I, can, I say that now. Somebody walks up to me, and they say hi, and I say, usually. You see, I got saved almost 40 years ago, and I've been high ever since, folks. I've never come down. People come up to me, they say, hey, pastor, or if they don't know me, pastor, they say, what's up? I say, Jesus. You just say that to anybody? Walk with me for a while, and you find out. See, see folks, I know what I have to give thanks and I want the entire world to know, can somebody say amen? amen? In your notes, prayer for the right reason. You know what happens? And the reason I am so readily able to do this and so purposely uh, centered on doing this, because prayer for the right reason frees us from our self-centered preoccupation, enabling us to reflect on all that God has done. Knowing that even if it's not happening right now, it's going to be happening later. Can somebody say amen? amen? You see, most people pray out of need. But if you and I would begin to learn to pray more out of gratitude, we would see more of those needs taken care of. You know, I cannot find, and I've done a search. I went from Genesis to Revelation, and I can't find a single place where prayer was extended the thanksgiving wasn't expected. Why is it that we ask and ask and ask, but don't thank? For what does a man have to give thanks? Rudyard Kipling, one of the great authors of years gone by, he, he died in the early 30s, uh, or late 30s. He, uh, probably best known, one of his greatest books was called The Jungle Book. Anybody heard of that? Great movies were made of that. Uh, Disney has done two or three different versions of it, Mowgli's stories and stuff. But uh, this guy became so big and so popular at the turn of the century uh, in his writing that it was known that his writings literally were bringing 10 shillings a word. Well, there was a few college students who didn't happen to like and appreciate Kipling's writings. So facetiously one day, they wrote to him, and they enclosed 10 shillings. 
And in that envelope, they wrote these words, please send us your best words, your best word. Roger Kipling, Rudyard Kipling wrote back, simply said, thanks. What is your best word? The second thing that I want to do this morning is remind ourselves of his promises regarding generosity. You see, the whole of giving starts with you and me. The, the church that Paul recognized out of all the churches he established was the church at Philippi in Macedonia. And he said, you guys time and time and time and time gave to everything, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially. And he said, the key to it is you first gave of yourselves. So I go back to the statement that I made at the beginning of this message. Many times, giving is more necessary chore than joyous experience. Why? Because it will take the understanding that my life should be a life of giving for God to honor it. It's when we understand that our life is to be a life of giving, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, financially, that we can actually enter into what I call, and it's on the screen, extravagant giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, you know what the Bible says? He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. He that sows sparingly, regretfully, remorsefully will reap the same. The Bible says that you will reap what you sow. And I think when we fail to remember God's promises regarding his generosity, we fail to operate in the, in the generosity of life, the extravagant life that God has promised. Now, immediately, I use that word extravagance. You think cars and houses and this and that. You know, no place in the Bible does God say he's going to take care of cars and houses. He said, I'm going to take care of clothes and food. If your belly's full and you got a shirt on your back, but we think if we don't have designer shoes, designer suit, designer tie, let me help you. We do have, and Jesus is the designer. It was woven from a piece of cotton in a field or a tree that produced rubber or some other kind of uh, organic thing that God created. Oh, yeah, we have a lot of synthetic stuff now. But the reality, anybody here got a shirt on your back? You got a lot to be thankful for. You got food in your belly? Some of us more than others. We got a lot to be thankful for. But now let me, let me if I may, just real quick, one of the biggest problems that we have in the church today is we have forgot that generosity. The vast majority of Sunday morning Christians, they claim they know the master's cure for life and living, yet return not to thank him by their participation, their prayer, their testimony, and yes, their support of his church. In fact, the whole Christian life is supposed to be one great big thank you. 
the living expression of our gratitude to God for his goodness. But sadly, too many in today's world especially take the grace and goodness of God for granted. And whatever we take for granted, we'll never take serious. As I said earlier, God is the reason that we have what we have. Yet, God will never be able to do for us, in us, and through us what we don't allow him to do. And is all the catalyst of it, the fulcrum of that scale, is how much you give. Of yourself first, and then everything else follows. Now let me just deal with the elephant in the room. Preacher, you're talking about money. That's part of what I'm talking about. But you know why you don't give your money? Because you really haven't given yourself. <laughs> Folks, don't, don't give me. It was John Wesley said, the way to a man's heart is not through his stomach, it's through his wallet. For where your treasure is, there will your See, you know the scripture. You know what God's word says. All of us do. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Here is the problem. To excel in anything, and I want you to write verse 7 on your notes because I was going to go 7 through 14, but I just did 10 through 14. But you know what verse 7 says? Paul's, Paul's talking to the church of Corinth. And he said, you excel in all kinds of stuff, but I want you to learn like the church in Philippi. This is who he's talking about. He said, I want you to learn to excel in the grace of giving. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. He said, last year, we took an offering. Last year, you were the first ones not only willing to give, but you also desire to do it. And then he said to the church, he said, guys, it's time to finish what you started. It's not just eager willingness to do it. It is the walkthrough, the follow-through, the completion of it. I know people that said, Pastor, open the doors, I'll be there. I'm still waiting. Doors have been open for a long time. Pastor, you need it, we'll give it. Still waiting. Pastor, how much do you need? We'll write it. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, to put a finger down, but I'm asking the question. What do we give thanks for? Everything about us is about thanksgiving. Now, look what he says here, according to your means. What does that mean? I've had people say, well, Pastor, I can't give. I'm on food stamps. Give some food stamps. I can't give them on welfare. Give some, give some of that. You see, the reality is whatever you choose to keep, that's what you trust. People say, well, you know, the, the Old Testament talked about tithing. No, the New Testament's full of it. It's full of tithing. But let me, let me share this. If you don't like the Old Testament way of the 10%, you know what they did in the book of Acts? They sold everything and gave it to the church. Ushers, let's bring the baskets. 
You see, when we start, we start dissecting this and figuring it all out, folks, understand, you, you, you can't do away with the direction of God's word. But I can promise you one thing, you'll never outgive God. Look what it says here, and I'm, I'm looking at verse uh, 10. Uh, or excuse me, verse uh, 12, I believe it is. I'm sorry, I take the numbers off because I try to save space to get as much in your scripture as I can. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I'll, it's, it's in your notes. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. You see, a lot of people, when I give of finances, per se, I give, well, I can't give $15 because I got to go to lunch. Ah, I better give a dollar. My goodness, the, the uh, salary just went up. They're going to charge more at lunch. Okay, pastor, can I take an offering from the church? The question that I have to ask is, has God really done so little that we can't be so grateful and so thankful to just say, God, you've given us all of this. Why can't we tithe? Why can't we give? Why can't we do what your word tells us to do? Sherlock Holmes, he was quite the astute man, and he would study all kinds of things. Well, he was studying a rose one day. A flower. He was in a hospital room and he was noticing this flower. And he said these words There is nothing in which deduction is so necessary as it is in religion. He said it's not a matter of blind faith, it's a matter of purposeful understanding. Look what he said Our highest assurance of the goodness and providence seems to me to rest in flowers. All other things, powers, desires, food, these are really necessary for existence. But this rose is just an extra. The smell, the color, the embellishment of life, that's what it represents. It has no condition for it. It is simply there for our joy and pleasure. The rose is only goodness which gives extras. And he said, you want to know hope? Look at the flowers. They're there just for our enjoyment. Let me bring this around to a close. Set your heart on what has already been done, and you'll see what is yet undone is coming. I'm going to make a couple pointed statements now, and I want you to hear them. You should never let what has happened in the past govern what you do in the future. I was talking about finances a moment ago. Let me make a statement. It's in your notes, and it's on the screen. Do not let last year's tax records govern this year's giving. Don't compare yourself with others. Don't let logic or reason Dictate what you do or can do for God. Let the heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. Look at Romans chapter 12 says, and I'm going to give you a couple things to underline. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, 
in view of God's mercy. Say that with me. In view of God's mercy to offer your bodies, and I want you to underline these two words, as living sacrifices. What is the difference between a dead sacrifice and a living sacrifice? One has a choice. We lay our life in the altar. We can get off any time. It gets too hot. But can I tell you something about the temperature of things? You don't have to worry. God still holds the thermostat. He knows what we can handle. He knows what we can go through. He knows. So the reality, he said, I urge you in view of what? God's mercy. <coughs> As you present your body a living sacrifice, holy Holy. We think, oh, I can't be holy. That word holy means set apart. It means the fulfillment of 1 Corinthians. You are no longer your own. You were bought with the price. Hebrews also. You're bought and paid for. Holy. That's what that means. Pleasing to God. What is pleasing to God? That he don't have to knock on your door every day just to get you to do something. You willingly say, God, I'm giving it all. For this is your spiritual act. I looked up that phrase, spiritual act. Another translation will say reasonable form. What it literally means when you go into the Greek, into the original translation, it literally means your true and proper form of worship. True and proper form of worship. Of worship. You see, when we do what we should do, simply because we should do it, just because it's right, not for any other reason. Remember that statement that I made before? The reality sometimes giving is a more necessary chore than a joyous experience, not because you feel like it. You know what it does? It brings the greatest joy to the Father's heart. Why? Because he knows you have set yourself apart, holy, sanctified, consecrated, and say, God, I don't care if I like it or not, I'm going to give to you. That's what our young men and women did. Oh, they may not have recognized uh, the Lord. They may not have been saved. But you know what God wrote on their hearts, eternity? You know what God wrote inside of them? That desire to do what is right because it is right. I've told people for years when they say, well, Pastor, how do I make a right decision? You just make it. Well, how do I know it? You know it because God wrote it. It's already in you. You know what to do before you ever do wrong. We know the right we should. I had two people agree with me. Can you imagine how wonderful it feels every time, or do you remember how wonderful it feels every time you do right just because it's right? I'm sure there's some folks that were thinking that maybe God was wringing his hands when Jesus stepped out of heaven because they knew the plan. The father told the son, this is what you're going to have to do. And the son said, Dad, I'm, I'm in it. I'm there. I'm all in. People might have thought, well, God was wringing his hand, you know. But I believe that when Jesus stepped out of heaven, I believe there was a smile on God's face. You know why? 
because it was the right thing to do for his creation. I can just picture the resurrection. The angels. <laughs> God said, hey, Bob, Joe. They were the two big angel dudes. <clears throat> that stone's got to move. Take care of it. So Bob and Joe went down there, and they were going <gasps> to. <gasps> the stone was rolled away. <gasps> and they stood on each side to make sure no devil tried to roll it back. And then they said, they were the ones sitting at the feet of him and the head of him, just watching, saying, devil, you ain't going to mess up God's plan. And when Jesus stepped out of that tomb, you know what I think happened in heaven? God looked around all the angels and said, that's my boy. Come on, somebody get excited. That's my boy. Can I tell you something? Every time you do right as a child of God, just because it's right, God looks down and says, that's my, guy. that's my kid, that's my girl, that's the one, that's my boy. Right. Psalm 106 says, give thanks to the Lord for this is good. He is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Another guy that I really always enjoyed was Dennis the Menace. I think I have that little menacing side of me. Dennis the Menace and Joy were one time looking at, uh, at uh, a Christmas display in a store, and, and all of a sudden, Dennis and Joey started talking together, and, and Dennis, you know, they were just, they were just uh, finishing up Thanksgiving, and you know, Dennis looked at Joey and, and said, you know what, Joy? All this stuff around this 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 tree, all these all this stuff. You know, this was uh, this was uh, our giving thanks to God month. Next month is God saying, "You're welcome." Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.